School is in session. This is Recruiting Daily's Sourcing School podcast. We're recording from HR Tech in Vegas, thanks to our friends and partners at GEM. Sharpen your pencils and get your sourcing pants on, because we have the scoop on sourcing news, recruiting tech, and all the hot topics that you need to learn about. Here's your professor, Ryan Leary, with special guests Shelly Steckerl and Mike Batman-Cohen. Oh, yes, we are still here. It is HR Tech Day 2, uh, and this is, this is a really uh, a fun interview we get to do right now uh, because we, we've been treated so warmly uh, by Jem. Uh, we're, we're sitting in their booth. They literally built out like a little sound booth. It's got three walls to, to protect from the sound. We've got a really big, comfy table. We've got an espresso machine here. I'd like to think it's just for us. It's not, but it's fantastic. So um, it, it's really great to now be able to pay a little forward and be able to, to talk with you. Um, and, and Matt, I'll let you introduce yourself in just a second. But uh, what I love about this, and this is the, the second interview that, that we've done with Jem, and in both uh, in talking, I normally say, hey, let's not make it pitchy. And in both, both you and Joe were like, yeah, but let's not like talk about Jem. Let's, let's actually talk about something that's going to help people. And that's how you opened. And so I'm real excited. Matt, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell, tell people about you. Tell people about Jem if they haven't heard about it. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate the introduction and super excited to be here. So quick background for me. I've been in the TA space for 15 plus years, spent some time in executive search, have had leadership roles in TA, LinkedIn. Microsoft, Lyft, variety of opportunities. Those little guys. Yeah, those, those little companies, you know, up, up in uh, Seattle there. Uh, and so I've seen the space. I've been around for a long time. Uh, in my current role at GEM, I lead what we call our strategic services team. So we have the, uh, the opportunity to work with our customers day in and day out, see what they're facing, get a frontline view of really the pulse of talent. So we're in a unique position to do that and uh, excited to share a little bit about what we're seeing and, you know, what we recommend people do today based off of that. Yeah, you guys are are one of, if not the uh, the leader in in this space, right? As a CRM candidate uh, uh, engagement tracking, um, so you deal with a bunch of companies ranging from smaller tech companies to Fortune one hundred uh, companies. So you've got you've got a pretty good perspective as to kind of what's going on out there, uh, what's actually happening, and, and maybe what's uh, what's being hyped up a little bit, and so. I uh, I don't I don't want to caveat this because we've spoken about it quite a bit now. But like, where are things at right now? What like what is going on? Yeah, that that is uh, that is that is the question, right? Yeah. And I think you know this comes as no surprise to you, but I think what, what we're seeing is there's a lot of uncertainty out there. I think you know speaking as a practitioner who's been in the space, you know I think folks are wondering you know what's next, how to best prepare for that, uh, and really how to make the most of this time, right? I think uh, we had talked about you know leading up to this session that. You know, I think of it like a nuclear reactor, right? And I know most folks listening to this aren't going to be super familiar with. A what? A nuclear reactor. Uh, okay. So let, let, me, let me break it down. Uh, so basically, when you think about it, nuclear reactors always have an emergency switch, right? You hit that switch, everything turns off in an instant, safety switch. And so functionally, teams and finance teams especially have hit that switch right now. And we're all seeing that, you know, how many jobs are we going to have? We don't know, right? We've sure. been harder to plan and forecast than it ever has been. Uh, and so what we see is as a consequence, teams are making decisions based off of that. But a lot of them are short-sighted decisions that will hurt them when things come back online, which mm. we all know that they will. So that's really what we're seeing now is a lot of uncertainty, a lot of kind of reactive motions mm -hmm. that may not set teams up for success in the next six to 12 months or beyond when things do come back. Uh, which we all hope and know that they will eventually. 
Yeah, you know, Matt, let's let's touch on that for a second because I think it's something that uh, I had a financial advisor talk talk me through um, about like investment, but it's also true just in general market economy, uh, which is to say, how do you know for a fact that the economy will in fact bounce back? Yeah, I mean, I think that the data shows it. It's, uh, I mean, no one knows for certain, you know, past performance does not predict future results. But at the same time, if you look at historically all of the things that we've all seen and been through 2008, uh, mini crashes here or there, tech bubble, those all seem cataclysmic at the time. I wouldn't argue that what we're seeing now is not even anywhere near most of those. Uh, and things came back. They always, they come back differently. It may look different, it may feel different, but they do come back. Uh, and I think we've seen that bear out over time in history. Yeah, and I, I think that's, that's the exact point, right? And that, that was made to me as well. It's like, hey, think of every economic downturn we have ever faced. Do you know how many of them came back and typically came back stronger? 100% of them. And people think and feel like, oh, it's going to be forever. But like the worst one in our history is, as a country, right? The Great Depression. Yep. Uh, the economic turnaround from that was under four years to get back to crazier than it was before that four years. Exactly. And that's why, you know, it's critical that teams don't maintain a short-sighted approach of just, you know, stopping things, doing a cold shutdown right now because of that dynamic, because that's really going to hurt when that time does come back. Teams will not be prepared to succeed in that new, that new time span when things are coming back uh, in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So Matt, you bring up a, a point and I think I've heard people touch on this as a, like a talk topic, but never, never actually talk through it. So I want to take some time here and talk through this Let's because, because uh, we hear like workforce planning and like workforce planning right now reminds me of that meme where there's the dog in the house on fire and he's like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Right. Like totally. We don't know. Right. I'm, I'm facing it with my own company. I'm sure you guys are, are having similar conversations internally about like, Okay, like, do I hire somebody? Do I not? Like, like, what do I do right now? And and I everybody says, hey, plan for the future, mm -hmm. be mindful, but like, have to still take steps forward. What a what does it actually mean? Right? Like, why why is that actually important? And then, uh, what does it look like? Like, tactically, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question, and, and I'm a big favor of breaking it down tactically. Like, let's make it actionable yeah. for folks. Uh, and so what I see and what, what we recommend with customers specifically is, you know, you can control what you can control, right? So there's no sense in getting worried about how much headcount you're going to be allocated, what the timing of that is. Like, largely that's outside of the scope of what TA teams can decide. They re largely receive that. But there are things that they can control and influence, and that's really where they're going to get the greatest lift from focusing uh, during this time. So uh, just, just to highlight one that I would say specifically is, uh, a lot of folks who've been in TA a long time know there's a cycle of prospects to candidates, which is awareness, engagement, and action, right? So a person's got to be aware of your company to, to care about it at all. They need to engage with your company, and then they need to take some action, whether that's applying or getting a process, ultimately getting hired uh, or not there. But that's generally the cycle. Uh, so in a time where, you know, you're working with, uh, you know, uncertain demand, you may not always have something to action them to, an open job per se. Uh, and so what we're seeing is the smarter companies are investing more in awareness currently uh, uh, and yeah. less on the action piece there. Yeah. Um, 
So, so you you made a statement, and now we need we need to we need to validate this statement, which was, uh, you can't stop hiring, you can't stand still, you can't have the nuclear reactor come back online, um, because it's it is a war there's a warm up period, right? Um, tell me about why, right? Why why can't I'm 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 a a, a company, I'm a tech company, I'm a, a a whatever company, automobile company, CPG company, um, why why not? Why can't I I take a pause and and stay here and monitor? the the industry and then when i see things starting to pick back up again then start doing my hiring like that makes logical sense right it, it can i think i think i've seen also that not work out so well in many cases and this is from tell me more examples yeah so i think let's paint a picture of what a cold shutdown looks like in ta right so you see uh you know headcount get closed off you see teams get rift right so they get you know laid off and then you have a skeleton crew that's kind of like manning the ship so to speak during that time uh, and they're not doing outbounds. They're relying on inbound. They're, you know, just parsing through applications that come in. They're not practically generating that awareness. So that tapers off over time. You got to invest in that. It's a habit, right? And if you lose that investment and nine months later, your CFO says, hey, we're hiring again. Where are the sourcers? They're not on that team. Where is the awareness? You got to build it from a lower base. That takes time. So that's that, that cold restart period we talk about of like anywhere from three to six months from you know, a new demand coming in to actually being able to deliver on that. A lot of teams scramble on that dynamic. It's a very tough time internally for teams. So by being smart and investing now in that awareness, you can have a smoother transition to that new demand in the future, right? Versus that like zigzag up and down mm. that's very jarring for teams. Yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> Yes. Um, so uh, a couple a couple things kind of came to mind on this, right? I was having a conversation um, yesterday, uh, and uh, they brought up this idea that like most companies now are tech companies, right? And we we talked about this, and it's like, oh, uh, you're like, well, what about the automotive industry? Kind of a tech company. Everybody's trying to make the electric vehicles, autonomous driving vehicles, right? And it's like, well, what about CPG? Well, now you're looking at people who are dealing with delivery and on-demand timing, right? Just in time. Uh, so in tech, right, and, and, and I want to hear what you're seeing on this, my belief is that you only have two options as a tech company, mm. which is to trend up or trend down. There is no plateau because it's not the market alone that you're keeping pace with. It's yes. technology itself, which doesn't stop. 100%. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And I think, you know, I love how you outlined that into two camps of, you know, tech companies, and let's say aspiring tech companies, they want to figure yes. out what the tech angle is there. And I think that that dynamic applies even more to those companies, mm. because they're, they're having to reformat their employee value propositions, they're not known as tech companies, they have to invest extra during this time to maintain, like, this is a good spot for engineers, where historically engineers have not thought of that company as a spot for them to go to. Yeah. Right? If they lose that momentum over the next year, it's going to be that much harder to make up that ground for the yeah. exact reasons you mentioned. So totally agree with that. Yeah. And then I, I had thought of, in that moment, an analogy um, that I was like, this is kind of what it feels like, which is uh, driving a manual transmission car, which is to say... When you're driving downhill or parked downhill, like you're very rarely going to stall, right? Like you can go from park to, to first, even as a newer driver downhill, because you can coast and build up speed and like, you're fine. Um, and when you're on a flat road, uh, I, I don't often see or almost ever see anybody stall going from second to third or third to fourth gear. It just, it doesn't happen. When do companies stall out when they're going from a dead stop to first gear and when is the hardest time to not stall 
when you're on an uphill. So yes. now you're facing a challenge where that you're having to, to work through and fight through on this uphill economic battle. And your thought then is to stop the vehicle. What are the, like, that's when you're going to stall out, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I love that. And I think that captures it perfectly there. And I, I love the saying that uh, smooth seas don't make strong sailors. Right? Oh, yeah. And this is, I mean, this is the time. Like, this is the time when TA leaders need to step up. Yeah. Uh, and then this is when they need to have a plan to navigate. And it has to be in a much more nuanced way, like we've talked about, rather than just like, hey, let, let's stop doing these actions. It can't be a binary equation there, right? Okay. For that exact danger that you mentioned on the hill. Yes. Yeah. I was like, oh, good job. That was a, earned my day for that. Um, okay. So uh, let's, let's talk like brass tacks on this. So uh, I've decided Matt knows what he's talking about. I'm totally going to listen to him on this and just trust that he's right and that every other time ever in history this has ever happened that it's, it's worked out. Um, so how do I do this? Right? H how do I say I'm not hiring? I don't have open roles because we, we, we have to hold off. How do I then uh, focus on that um, uh, awareness piece? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, there's a variety of products that, that handle this in the market. So, you know, Jam, we do that especially well. There are others as well you can look at uh, as well. But I divide the kind of activity into two areas. Yeah. One is content. One is delivery. Like, what are you talking about? And then B, how are you getting out to people? What's the medium? There. Okay. Uh, so in the content piece, I think it, it involves kind of reevaluating your employee value prop during these times, right? So hmm. normally you're going to have a direct call to action of like, check out our jobs, go to these jobs, apply, get in process. Today, we may not be able to do that, right? And we don't want to lead people on with a false promise. But what we can still talk about is like the long-term why of this company, right? What's our mission? What's our vision? Uh, what types of people excel here? Telling those stories at scale still has a ton of value, right? Because people that are interested in that will begin to follow it, gravitate towards it, and they'll want to know when, when it's open, right? So you're developing that, that demand funnel over time. So I think part of it is reframing what you're talking about, what the expectations are, to be clear about it. Uh, and then the second piece there is how you deliver that, right? So I think, you know, one of the things we do in Jam and other platforms do this to an extent as well is, you know, broad-based campaigns that are customized, Right. So you want to get the volume out, but it has to be wait broad based and customized. Yes. I, I'm obviously saying this in jest. I do this for a living, but like that's a thought. Like the heck are you talking about? How, do you, how are you broad based and customized? Yeah. Great question. So, so I think it's uh, you want to be able to deliver uh, to a broad pool of folks uh, that are that are segmented, right? Talents, product managers, software engineers, whatever that maybe, uh, but uh, essentially then you want to be able to make that resonate with them. Uh, so part of that involves organizing them, uh, and then part of that involves the granularity of like using the right data fields, using the right customization pieces that make it feel like it's tailored to them and it's not just a broad like hot jobs type of thing, right? Yeah. So you, the messaging's got to be on point and it's got to resonate with the people it's being sent to. Yeah, I, I think... I think people get really binary about outreach, right? I've seen in all the training I've done, people are like, oh, well, you know, we send a thousand emails a day, in which case, yikes, by the way, if you're doing that, stop it. Uh, or like, oh, no, we're hyper-focused. We send like 10 emails a day that are like crafted to touch on everything they've ever talked about on every social profile they've ever had, right? And it's like, there's actually a middle ground, right? We're like, we use templates, but we're using templates with smart modifiers and maybe like, the first sentence is a custom sentence. So how long does it take you to look at a person's profile or two pro, uh, profile on two different sites and create a custom sentence? 
I don't know, three minutes, yeah. right, max. It's a scalable process. For right, sure. exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think that that's really, really interesting. Um, okay, so uh, at the end of the day, the world isn't shutting down. We're facing uncertainty. We are, however, going to come back from this. And so the options are, right now, go backwards or go forwards. Uh, and going forwards looks like building awareness. Going backwards looks like stagnating in fear. So what do we do? We move forward. So Matt, I end every podcast the same way. I want you to share one thought idea, whatever that is, with whoever is listening right now. That's that doesn't have to be about anything we've spoken about today, or it can be that's going to hit them in the head, the heart, the soul. Something that's going to leave an impression when they're done listening. What is that? Yeah. So I think you know where my mind goes is like now is the opportunity. TA leaders have often thought like sales professionals, right? Closing the deal making it complete, whether you're an agency or you're internal, we need to shift how we're thinking to think like marketers. We need to think for scale. We need to think about driving that awareness, building that engagement over time. That's a radical mindset shift. It's going to require change in this space, but that's what I'd love people to think more about. How do we think more like marketers? And then mm. how do we use that in these times? And then how do we couple that with thinking like salespeople when we have more demand? Love that. Matt, thank you so much. And again, thank you for Jem's graciousness uh, hosting us here. Um, wish everyone listening uh, the best of luck and, and we'll have another episode coming up shortly. Thanks, Pleasure Matt. To, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh man, that means it's over. You've been listening to the Sourcing School Podcast live at HR Tech in Vegas. Sponsored by our friends at Gem. For all other HR, recruiting, and sourcing news, check out recruitingdaily.com.